The Chad Special, episode 94, April 25, 2010. Are you hitting on me? <laughs> Never works, sweetheart. I'm a cop. You're a murderer. I already told you I'm not a murderer. Yeah, well, I'm still a cop. Aloha from the Island Lost fans. You are tuned into the transmission. This is a podcast devoted to the show Lost on ABC. I'm Jen and, and I'm, I'm sick. <laughs> and I'm Ryan. And it has indeed been a weird week. Sick kids, sick us. But never fear. We are still here to discuss The Last Recruit. We'll recap the latest chapter of season six in under eight minutes. Then we'll dive in and share our take on the episode. We'll get to your feedback in you all, everybody. We'll share the latest track from The Others Lost Band. And finally, we'll wrap things up with The Forward Cabin. Yes, one more, in fact. Ready? Let's get lost. Episode 13 of Season 6, The Last Recruit. Let's start off the island. Ben is with Locke in the ambulance, explaining that he was a paraplegic in the wheelchair. The EMT says the wheelchair probably saved his life. Locke tells Ben to call Helen Norwood, his fiance. Ben says he's still going to marry her because he's going to be okay. They arrive at the hospital and Sun and Jin arrive at the same time. Sun sees Locke on the next gurney and freaks out. She says, no, it's him. Meanwhile, Sawyer is at the police station with Kate and he says she doesn't look like a murderer. And she says that's because she isn't. He says it's weird that they ended up together after meeting at the airport. And Kate says Sawyer didn't arrest her because he didn't want anyone to know he was in Australia. Miles shows up with a multiple homicide. They look at video footage of the suspect and we see it's Saeed. Claire goes to the adoption agency but meets Desmond in the lobby. She says that he was right that the baby is a boy. He says that he saw that she signed in for an adoption agency and that she should have legal representation. He says he's there to meet an excellent attorney and Claire agrees to go see her. Turns out it's Ilana. Desmond introduces Claire and she says that they've been looking for her. Saeed, meanwhile, is packing to skip town and Nadia asks what he did. He says he fixed things, but he's never coming back. She asks if he hurt someone just as the doorbell rings. Saeed tells her to stall them. As she goes to the door and talks to Detective Miles Strom, Saeed tries to slip out the back, but Sawyer is waiting and trips him with the garden hose and he tells him he's under arrest. Jack and David are arriving for the reading of Christian's will when David's mom calls. Jack tells the mystery lady that he'll drop David off later in the evening. Oddly, their lawyer is Ilana, too, and she asks Jack if he believes in fate. She introduces Claire, who was in Christian's will, and Claire says that Christian was her father, too. Just then, the hospital calls, and Jack says that he has to go. Back at the hospital, Sun wakes up, and Jin tells her that she and the baby are going to be okay. Out in the hallway, Jack arrives with David, who's surprised that Christian never mentioned Claire. Jack says that his dad kept a lot of things to himself. David wishes him luck, and Jack heads in for an emergency spinal operation. He sees himself in a mirror, and then sees his patient, and says... I think I know this guy. Now, on the island, Unlock tells Jack that he was hoping he would come and that they should talk. Jack follows him into the jungle and asks why Unlock looks like, well, Locke. Unlock says it's because he was stupid enough to believe that he was there for a reason, because he believed it until it got him killed, and because Jack brought him back to the island in a box. Jack asks if Locke had to be dead before his form could be taken, and Unlock says yes. So Jack says he saw his father on the island three days after the crash and asks, 
asks if that was him too. Unlock says yes, and that he wanted to lead Jack and the survivors to water. He says that he has always wanted to help him leave, but Jack was trapped like him. Now that Jacob is dead, Jack asks why Unlock is still on the island. Unlock says all of them have to leave the island together. Jack points out that it was Locke was the only one who believed that they should be on the island and kept them from leaving. Unlock says that John Locke was not a believer, but he was a sucker. Claire shows up saying that Jack is her brother, and Unlock leaves them to catch up. Claire says that she had given up hope that he'd come back and never really had a family, so she's glad that Jack is coming with them. But Jack says he hasn't decided yet. Claire says that he did because Jack let Unlock talk to him. She says that he's with him now. Back at Unlock's camp, Sawyer is telling Hurley the submarine plan, as Kate tells Sun. Hurley asks about Saeed, but Sawyer says he's gone over to the dark side. Unlock, Jack, and Claire return, and Claire gives Hurley a hug. Kate asks Jack if he believes Unlock, and Jack says that he's not sure. Unlock says, it's so nice to have everyone back together again. Suddenly, Zoe strolls into the camp and tells Unlock that he took something from them and they want it back. Unlock says he doesn't know what she's talking about. She pulls out a walkie-talkie and tells her crew, let's show them what we're capable of, and a missile flies overhead and explodes in the jungle. She says, next time, we won't miss. She leaves the walkie, but Locke smashes it and says, well, here we go. He tells everyone that these people forced our hand, and if they want a confrontation, they'll get it. He says that they're going to Hydra Island to take the plane. He tells Sawyer to go get a boat and tells Saeed that if he still wants what he asks for, he has to go and kill Desmond. Sawyer asks Kate to come with him and then goes to Jack and explains that he has a deal with Widmore. He tells Jack that he has to grab Hurley, Son, and Frank, break away from Unlock's group, and meet them at an old pier. Jack asks about Saeed and Claire, but Sawyer says that Saeed is a zombie and Claire is nuts. Saeed goes to the well and points his gun at Desmond. Desmond says if he's going to die, he should at least know what Saeed is getting out of it. Saeed says that Unlock said that he could get back the woman that he loved even though she's dead. Desmond asks Saeed what he will tell this woman when she asks what he did to be with her again. Sawyer and Kate find the boat, and Sawyer tells Kate his plan to ditch Unlock with her, Jack's son, and that pilot that looks like he stepped off the set of a Burt Reynolds movie. (laughs) Kate asks about Claire, and Sawyer says she's not coming. Kate says that she promised that she'd bring her back, but Sawyer says the Claire she came back for is gone. Trekking through the jungle, Jack asks how long Claire has been with Unlock, and she says since Jack left. She says she trusts him because he's the only one that didn't abandon her. Suddenly, Unlock asks about Saeed and takes off off he finds Saeed and asks if he killed Desmond. Saeed says yes and that he can go check if he wants. Jack meanwhile tells Hurley's son and Frank to follow him and they run to the pier. As they board the boat Claire shows up with a gun. She asks where they're going and Kate says they're leaving the island. She asks Claire to come with them. She says it's the reason that she came back and she wants to bring her back to Aaron. Claire agrees but says He's going to be mad. On the boat, Sawyer fills Frank in on his plan (laughs) to take the submarine. As Frank leads everyone down below for some food, Sawyer goes to talk to Jack. Jack says that don't things don't feel right and that like the last time that he left, it felt like a part of him was missing. He says that they were brought there to do something. Sawyer says Jack is either with them and keeps his crazy talk to himself or he gets off the boat. Jack stands up, tells Sawyer he's sorry that he got Juliet killed and jumps overboard. Kate freaks out and asks Sawyer what he said to Jack and Sawyer says that Jack changed his mind. Kate says that they should go back to get him, but Sawyer says they're done going back. 
They reach Hydra Island and Zoe and her team are there. Jin appears and Sun sees him and they run to each other and they embrace. They both say, I love you. And Sun says that she never stopped looking for him. Jin promises that they'll never be apart again. Suddenly, Zoe orders them to their knees and tells Sawyer that the deal with Widmore is off. Back on the main island, Jack comes ashore and Unlock is waiting. Unlock notes that Sawyer took his boat. They hear another missile overhead and Jack tells them all to get down. There's a huge explosion and bodies go flying. Locke runs up to Jack lying in the sand and picks him up, carrying him inland. He tells him, it's going to be okay. You're with me now. And And thud. thud. And that is the last recruit, the 13th episode of the final season of Lost in under eight minutes. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll share our thoughts on this episode. The Last Recruit is lucky episode number 13 here in the final season of Lost, and we're going to have to wait two weeks for the next new episode. So it was really down to this episode's cliffhangers to keep us hanging on. How did you like this episode? There was so much going on that it was kind of overwhelming. You know, we had the stuff off island. We had the stuff on island. There were so many different threads that I felt like it, it was moving really fast But it was hard to kind of keep track of everything. Well, you know, it really felt a lot like last week's episode. And last week I said, well, they moved really fast, but it seemed a little kind of convoluted. And hopefully what it means is from that point forward, everything is together and we've got a plan. All of our characters are together. Let's get moving. But actually, this episode still felt like we're moving the pieces around. We're still getting everyone into position for that final whatever, the final stretch. And we're running out of final stretch. So, you know, the first time I I watched it, I was I, I, I thought it was pretty uneven. Even I, th- I said, you know, I really need the character moments and especially in the flash sideways with everything happening and coming together so fast. It really seemed more, you know, perfunctory than than really, really good. There were some good moments, but I watched it again. I, of course, love the commentary on our blog. And the more I read, the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. And I think that that's probably the case with every episode of Lost. I thought it was telling that in the first five minutes of the episode, John Locke or Unlock, I'm sorry, says twice someone has a lot of catching up to do. I mean, yeah. that that sense is what I got from this episode, that the writers are really trying to catch up with, in fact, themselves. You know, they're they're almost losing traction by, by running, running very fast. But yes, for the most part, we've got everybody together again, you know, brought all of our characters together. Well, except for... What, Alpert? Al- where's Alpert? Right, Alpert, Miles, and um, ben. Uh, ben are split off. And I, I thought it was kind of contrived the way that they sort of pushed them off to the side last week. But just imagine if they were with this group. There would be no way to incorporate all of these characters. It's it's clearly a mechanical decision uh-huh. to remove them from the story. I still miss them. I mean, some of them, the three of them are actually some of my favorite characters. But I can almost see why it made sense that they had to basically be excised from the story for a while. But yes, we got everyone together. But still, it, we're not done so splitting people up because Jack has his moment of clarity and decides that he's going back. He's not part of this big plan. Well, that really reminded me of when Sawyer jumped off the helicopter. Right. I mean, I'm, I, I thought that that was being a, a good mirror moment, except that, you know, Sawyer was leaping off because he wanted to supposedly save them, or he was afraid, if you believe the other theory, of what would happen if he ended up off the island and had to deal with reality and relationships. Yeah. But in this case, it seemed like Jack is 
jumping off and going back because he feels his work isn't done. Now, I like how he said that, you know, like the last time, there's a piece of me missing. There's something wrong because we definitely saw him basically fall apart in the flash forwards Mm -hmm. in season four. You know, something was definitely wrong and he eventually came around to saying he has to go back. So he doesn't want to go through with that. I definitely felt that for his character. But uh, let's break it down a little bit more. Let's uh, focus on the two parts. We've got uh, the flash sideways again. How did you like it this episode? I like the scene in the ambulance where the um, EMT tells Ben that the wheelchair saved Locke's life. Because mm-hmm. remember back um, after he was shot by Ben in the in the pit, um, he, he told everybody that his lack of a kidney is what kept him alive after Ben shot him. Right. In fact, I th- that, thought that was a really nice touch. You know, he, this, this thing that has been his curse in his life that up until, I guess, a great heart-to-heart with Helen that he felt was a real downside to his life, again, was key to his survival. So that was, that was a pretty nice touch. Now, and also the EMT tells Ben, you know, he says, I saw who, who did this. And the EMT says, why don't you go tell the cops? Gee, do we know any cops in the flash sideways? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, with uh, Miles and Sawyer, they get put on a triple homicide and, and and for whatever reason, even though there's a suspect that killed three people, they go to the house alone, it looks like. But I know. in any case, do, I don't know if there's room in their caseload to basically involve a hit-and-run traffic accident. But anyway, I, th- I thought that maybe they were telegraphing that. Well, there's still one more L.A. cop that we know of. That's true. That's true. We're holding out hope. Um, now, we had the, the when they get out of the ambulance, and of course... Just coincidentally, everybody's coming together. You've got Sun on the next gurney to lock, and she looks over, and she has her moment of, I think, seeing the the island timeline. Yeah. She completely freaks out. Right. Now, what I find fascinating is that, you know, on the island, Sun's relationship with Locke is maybe distrustful, is maybe skeptical. She's basically with him to get back to Jin, uh-huh. but it didn't seem like she was terrified of Locke, and she definitely seems terrified of him no, off the island. No, I mean, the look on her face is complete terror. What I find curious, though, is, is that she doesn't really mention it after that initial... Right. You know, she doesn't say it doesn't seem like she says anything to Jin about about this. Maybe she's thinking she's crazy. At right. This point. Or, or she, I mean, she was definitely in a near death experience. And right. I mean, uh, Jin has to tell her that you were shot and that uh-huh. your baby is OK. So, you know, she was basically out of it. The fact that she was terrified, though, kind of makes me, again, think a lot about the positioning of the flash sideways relative to what's happening on the island. And that maybe son's suddenly very violent or very emphatic and fearful reaction to uh, lock is because unlock does something to earn that kind of fear that we haven't quite seen yet. So now I, I'm wondering if that's what they're talking about. Now, obviously, our writers are moving very fast. They're in a hurry to get all of our survivors off the island in the flash sideways together, presumably for whatever the second act is they're going to squeeze in that Desmond has in mind. Mm-hmm. But I did think that they paused enough in the flash sideways for some really good character moments. Yeah, I, I really I think I enjoyed the character moments off island more than I did on. You know, I think that's that's fair. I mean, in terms of the moments that really got hit me emotionally, it was really what was happening to our characters, even though, you know, the plane didn't crash in that universe. Specifically for me, the chemistry uh, between uh, Kate and Sawyer's character in the police station, that was so... That was so season one, the the energy, the playfulness, the adversarial yet, you know, flirting that was going yeah, on. I kind there. of I kind of missed that when they started going there with Kate and Sawyer. I missed that kind of tension. You right, know, right. when it became when they became a couple, I really missed the kind of 
the the kind of adversarial little tension thing that they had. Right. Going. Well, I mean, I think that's true of almost any you know drama or any story is that it's almost better before they're together than it is when they are. So you know, I just like kind of revi- revisiting that energy specifically where she go- she realizes that Sawyer didn't do anything in the elevator because Sawyer doesn't want to get in trouble for something, and you know, she basically lays out her conspiracy theory, and then Sawyer goes. I like you. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that was pretty cool. Well, Sawyer's eating an apple. And he offers it to Kate. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you had mentioned that kind of reminded you of the, the Eden story or even the Adam and Eve story. Well, I mean, sometimes an apple is just an apple. And right. I think maybe they're playing with us, but still, it was a really cool image. Well, the reason why it makes that connection when you said it was because the whole assertion that she's innocent. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. Right. You know, I'm now pretty convinced that you know, Kate in the Flash Sideways did not commit the crime that she's she's accused of, and I, and offering her an apple the same way Eve was tempted. You know, with knowledge of the apple in the Garden of Eden, and you know, Kate rejects it. I think that that might be the hint that she's well. Do you think she's innocent? The last Comic Con video led led us to believe that she killed somebody else in an attempt to kill her dad. So uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, that could be a setup as well. I mean, she could be completely innocent. I would think that she is, but you're right. I mean, so far we had what was the videos we had? Oceanic was a had a completely 100% safety record, so that's probably borne out. Hurley's completely great luck and and fortune and, and owning the Mr. Clocks, Clocks yeah. and that certainly is borne out too. I'd say 2 out of 3. I think that yeah, maybe she's guilty of something else. Maybe if she accidentally killed someone, she's just saying she's not guilty of murder in the first degree, you know, maybe it's some second, third manslaughter. I don't know what maybe they're going to kind of split hairs that way. Um, character moments that you liked in The Flash Sideways? I loved the scenes between Desmond and Claire in the lobby of the building. Really? Because just it's very subtle, but Desmond is trying to convince Claire of something and not sound crazy. And Claire is hearing this and she th- definitely thinks something is weird about it. But you can see in her eyes kind of a vague understanding that maybe it's not that crazy. And and the way that they're talking to each other, the way they're looking at each other, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I was thinking about that one a lot because, in fact, someone commented on the blog as well. We had that situation where Kate points a gun at Claire and takes off in the vet, in the cab. And then when Kate comes back, Claire's like, OK, I'll get back into the cab with you. And you think... Where's the skepticism in terms of how ridiculous the scenario is? And I actually thought that it was kind of ridiculous that Claire does go with Desmond in this building, despite the fact that he's acting like, you know, a creepy stalker. But uh-huh. you're right. I mean, especially the way that Desmond is confident in what he's doing, but still maybe thinking on the fly and basically coming up with a strategy to talk her into it. I, I guess that was a, a good character moment. I think that for me, the, the warmest, happiest part about The Flash Sideways was with Uh, Jack and his son. I loved their relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, we know from what Sawyer says that a few weeks have passed since they've landed in Los Angeles. And initially in the first episode with Jack and his son, you can see David is a little uneasy around Jack. He's not really sure what to do in this situation. They're kind of, you know, they're still getting to know each other. But in this episode, they seem to be best friends. Well, I'm not sure if they're best friends. I still sort of sense that they're they're trying to find their footing together. You know, they're not really, really close, but they're still, you know, beginning to come to realize that they like each other, specifically yeah. when, you know, Jack is talking to the mysterious mom on That's the phone. That's driving me crazy. I have to know who mom <laughs> well, is. they're doing that on purpose. But I so know. he's talking to her on the phone and he says, I'll drop him off at five. And then David makes that look, just the face. And, uh, and, and Jack goes, oh, I mean, seven, you know, we'll spend more time together. And David looks relieved and... He says that I'm sad for you, Dad, because of this will reading. You know, yeah. don't worry about me. I'm worried about you. He wishes him luck when he's going into surgery. I mean, 
mean, just watching it, I'm not sure if they're best friends, but I do feel that their relationship is being repaired and the subtlety and the nuance with which that was depicted. I mean, Matthew Fox did great and and uh, Dylan Minnette, the kid who plays David, yeah. they played off each other well. And even in the, the small amount of time that they had shoehorned into this flash sideways, they conveyed a lot. I like that a lot. I also enjoyed seeing Ilana again. Absolutely. Because I was really disappointed with how she went out we last week. Yeah. But it figures that... After what happened to her, she is like one of the linchpins in getting everybody back together. And I don't know, maybe if you're a, if you're a lawyer, your your job is to protect your candidates or something. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of fitting. She 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 doesn't have her Russian accent anymore. She's, no, she's, she's American. American lawyer. Well, actually, here's the question: Why was Desmond there to see her? I mean, I thought that oh well, it's because Desmond knows where everybody is. He knew where he knew where Locke was. He knew where Hurley was in the restaurant. So clearly, he just went to go intercept Claire. But no, they he had an appointment. He was talking to him well desmond obviously knows her I right mean, they know each other by name i mean i don't know wh- what exactly the relationship is maybe ilana is corporate counsel for widmore well that's interesting um then she's not because she's i guess she's not i guess jacob is a non-player in the flash sideways then you know she's working yeah, for, possibly for widmore that's that's kind of fascinating i definitely like link thinking about that and we finally know her name her name is ilana verdansky verdansky you know and uh, it sounded you know it's definitely russian so we were thinking like minkowski or Radzinski. i know and, such a bunch of random names well i mean they're, they're just being very very diverse in their in their <laughs> characters but uh, lauren on the blog looked up you know i was trying to find a verdansky and and lauren found one Vladimir Verdansky was a Russian geochemist, so that already sounds good. He mm-hmm. believed in multiverses or theories of various facets to a universe, and specifically that human consciousness, that we crossed a threshold in which our consciousness became a key part of the universe. Oh, that and, sounds familiar. Yeah, well, that definitely sounds like Lost, so definitely a nice catch there. Thanks, Lauren. We have to watch Jack find out about his half-sister all over again. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of traumatic for him. Again, remember when he was in the church and uh, Claire's mom comes up to him and we talked about it I think how how really well Matthew Fox played that scene kind of getting a really devastating piece of news and he has to go through it all over again but I thought he did admirably well well I thought it was interesting that he's sort of in shock and then his phone rings and then whoop there's something else I've got to fix, got to run. You know, I mean, that certainly sounds like Jack to some extent. He's got to run off to fix something. But after that big piece of news, he doesn't stick around a little bit to say, to talk to her a little bit more. Well, he probably has no idea what to say to her. Mm. You know, I look at it from his point of view. You've just gotten this piece of news. You know, what do you say to that? I, th- I, th- I would, I would at least require some time to think about all of this information and what it means and what to say to the person. Well, I thought that it was a kind of an interesting parallel when you think about how Claire goes to see Jack on the island, you know, and he says, he's my brother, you know, we need to talk. I mean, in that particular universe, they both had that prior knowledge coming in so they could basically fall in and have that conversation here in the Flash Sideways. Again, yeah, I mean, I thought that was that was kind of a cool moment. So, yes, Jack goes off to the hospital and as, we, as it seemed was projected early on, the uh, worlds of Locke, you know, in the wheelchair and Jack are in fact, smushed together. You know, even though Locke turns down the offer of a, of a cons- consult, uh, because of the car accident, Jack does need to get a consult to get his hands on <laughs> um, Locke's dural sack. So he's going to be co- performing the surgery on him. And I like that he got the mirror moment again. I mean, he had one before where he's looking in the mirror on the airplane at his neck. Yeah, and yeah. now he's and he's had, I think, another one. And now again, he sees himself in the mirror in the emergency room right before he sees 
lock. And oh, I, I thought, forgot about that. Well, I thought that was interesting because we, we've talked constantly about the specific adversarial or con, con, or at least the contrast between Jack and Locke. So for him to see himself in the mirror and then see Locke's face, I think, in that same place was, was saying a little bit more than just, oh, I recognize this guy. I thought that was kind of a nice touch. But do you? I, it would seem, I mean, it sounds like Jack is going to work miracles with Locke. I'm just waiting for him to get really close to Locke's face and say, I'll fix you. Or, you know, you are going to dance at your wedding or whatever <laughs> whatever he said to uh, his uh, Sarah when she was mm-hmm. on, on the operating table. Um, also in the same hospital, Sun and Jin are there. Sun comes too. Jin says, you're fine. The baby is fine. Everything's going to be okay. And so... I guess that means that, yes, in the flash sideways, life is probably better for them. It seemed kind of doubtful when she got shot, but now if indeed things are better for them in the flash sideways, you can kind of move them into that column, flash sideways better. So if they had the opportunity, they might choose that life. Saeed definitely would not choose this life. That's true. That's true. So first he's killed someone, and perhaps as was you know hinted at in the conversation on the island with Desmond, by doing so, tainted the future of his relationship with the woman he loves— and now he's arrested. You yep. know, certainly, I thought that's not good for him. Actually, the fact that she says to him, did you hurt somebody? You know, he's basically trying to say, hey, Nadia, I helped you. I helped you. But to her, the greatest crime that he could commit is to hurt somebody. Yeah. And the fact that she says that and then we have that conversation with Desmond on, in the well, I definitely think that they're giving us the, the clue that, you know, Saeed is not going to be able to do it, not going to be able to pull the trigger, even though we didn't see if he did or not. I mean, do you think he shot Desmond? No, no way. No way. I mean, just that whole conversation between Unlock and, and Saeed and you know, I think he was really counting on Unlock not checking because he knew that Unlock was kind of in a hurry. Um, I, I just, I think that Desmond really hit a nerve with right, Saeed right. when they were had the conversation in the well. I just, I can't really... I mean, no matter what happened to Saeed, I can't see him doing that to Desmond. Well, again, because of that conversation with Nadia, and and I like the way he hesitated before he still goes off to follow Unlock. You know, already something is kind of happening with him. Um, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves talking about the island. Before we go there, was there anything else in the Flash Sideways uh, that caught you? Well, Miles introduces himself as Miles Strom. Detective Miles Strom. Not Chang. I, I mean, we know that Dr. Chang works at the, um, at the museum, and they seem to have a pretty good relationship. So That's- I'm wondering... Why he's going by Miles Strom again? Well, presumably, even if it's in the flash sideways, maybe, you know, things with Dr. Chang and his wife might not have gone so well after leaving the island. And, yeah, you know, possibly. I don't know. That, that is a fair question. And it would be kind of odd for him to switch back to maybe his mom's name. Or I mean, we, we still don't know what the family heritage is. But I, you're right. I think it's good to note that he does pick, he does have a different last name than what you would guess. So let's move on the island. Um, definitely, you know, sort of, again, a situation where people are coming together, at least for the most part. Um, And right where they left us at the end of the last episode, you know, we need to talk, Jack and Locke. And we're thinking to ourselves... Ooh, that's going to be the conversation we need to see. They they get get right to it, and I have to admit, at least as far as the the on island stuff this week, I think that conversation between Jack and Locke was the most powerful moment. I don't want to hear that Locke is a sucker. I don't want to hear that Locke did everything for nothing, and that really actually hurt. Well, you know, the fact that he goes so 
out of his way now to kick, you know, Locke while he's down, you know, yeah. to spit on his grave. The fact that he goes that far, it did hurt, but it also kind of set off that that thing in the back of my head that says they're not going to say that kind of stuff unless there is a possibility for original Locke to somehow be redeemed. That being a believer, that believing that he had to be on the island and that he had something to do is in fact going to pay off. So in the end, as cruel as that was, it actually gave me a little bit of hope. Now, also in that conversation was the was another, you know, blunt sort of explanation of a mystery. And right. that is, oh, you remember when you saw Christian Shepherd in the suit and you chased him into the jungle? That was and, me. That was me. That was me. I mean, was that uh, important reveal to you or was that well done? I mean, we were comparing it to the Whispers reveal. I thought it was at least better than that I one. I was but. kind of, I mean, I since we found out about the the smoke monster taking a human form, I kind of felt like that had to be the case. Right. But um, it, it, uh, despite that, though, it raises a lot of questions, and there's a lot of debate on the blog, and several of our calls kind of covered it because we have seen Christian Shepherd in other places, some of which kind of contradict some of the information that we thought we had True. about the smoke monster. So, I mean, yes or no, was uh, the smoke monster also playing Christian when he was in Jacob's cabin and screwing with, you know, Locke and Ben in there? Yeah, I... I believe so because clearly there was a turf war going on at that point and we hear Ilana say someone that, else was here yeah he, Jacob hadn't been there and somebody else was in there and you know to my mind that leaves the smoke monster right and certainly at that point uh, the the form of Christian Shepherd was forging a relationship with Claire which turns out to you know kind of pay off here in the season so okay that one was a yes how about when Christian Shepherd appeared to Michael on the freighter I know there's a whole water thing right exactly I think that's my primary problem with that and because right before Christian you know shows up on the freighter to Michael who did not know who Christian was True. Um, there was the whole whispers thing that you know per- permeated the cabin and we so now we have these two quickly explained mysteries coming together in the same scene where Christian Shepherd appears on the boat. I'm going to say that that appearance was not the smoke monster. One, because of the water thing, and two, because we've had other people who are dead kind of appear as spirits or ghosts. I mean, we just had Hurley get visited by Michael. We've had uh, off the island um, Charlie visiting Hurley, mm-hmm. or even uh, in, at least in a or dream. Or Ana Lucia visiting Hurley. Yeah, Ana Lucia, Ana Lucia visiting Hurley, and we had Claire kind of freaking out Kate in a dream sequence off the island. So unfortunately, mysterious apparitions of familiar people do not still all fall into the same category. And maybe one of our great homework assignments after the end of Lost is to kind of go back and categorize those things, just like ghost hunters or something. So, okay, that would be a no. What about when he appears in the frozen donkey wheel and tells Locke, say hi to my son, but I can't help you. You need to turn the wheel. Was that the man in black sending him off? Yes. Yes, because it sort of eventually met, met, met his aims to get him off the island to bring everyone back. He wanted to bring all of the candidates back. So. Yeah, I mean, Christian Shepherd being there served a very specific purpose. It it helped Locke to turn the wheel. It it set a whole bunch of things in motion. So right. I'm guessing yes. Yeah, me too. That's uh, we'll put that on the the smoke monster's side. But I think the only other Christian Shepherd appearance that really stands out, and I think perhaps the weirdest one, is when Christian Shepherd appears to Jack off the island when he's when he's escaped the island and uh, he's in the lobby of the hospital at night. The smoke alarm goes off for crying yeah. out loud. I mean that <laughs> seemed like a big hint that ooh smoke monster alert. So. Was that the the man in black? Despite that, I still think it falls into the same category as Ana Lucia, Charlie, and Claire. That uh, it was just something to sort of, you know, jog jog him the same way that, uh, and that was sort of the the appearance that that Hurley references. You know, you're going to be visited as well, and that's what it is. So these visitations are in service of the 
Hurley slash Jacob mission and not of the Man in Black mission. I guess that's basically one way we might have to break it down. I know. I have this theory that maybe they never got off the island. Really? Well, because I think that whole batch of episodes when they were off the island was dreamlike and surreal. I mean, the whole Kate and Jack... um, with the, the way with what happened with them after she gave away Aaron um, just a lot of things didn't add up and didn't make a lot of sense and I really felt it feels to me like the island was showing them what would happen if they got off hmm, the island that's that's an interesting theory um, I mean maybe one big brain paste experience I, I still think though I mean because Aaron is not there and you know they're trying to bring Claire back to Aaron off the island and wherever he is I, I'm not sure if that's necessarily true but I like the way you're thinking I mean go, go, go <laughs> out on a limb. Uh, actually, I, I just remembered there's another Christian Shepherd scenario that was troubling, and that was when Christian Shepherd is, this is after everyone comes back to the island, Locke has been delivered, his body has been delivered back right. to the island, and Christian Shepherd is back in Dharmaville or New Otherton with Son and Frank, and he's saying, look at this picture, and you have a long journey ahead of you. At that same time, I believe Locke is, you know, walking around and, and doing stuff with the folks on the on the other island. So now was that Christian Shepherd, I the had, smoke monster? I had to completely forgotten that Locke was still alive at that point. Right. I mean, I, I don't know how that works. I don't think he moves that fast. He's, I think they were on different islands. So uh, I don't know. I mean, so a lot of people had a lot of theories about Christian Shepherd being the smoke monster in which scenarios. We got a lot of calls. Deborah from North Carolina, Flav from Chicago, Felix from Guam. Some people were actually mad at this reveal. They said it was just as bad as the smoke monster. No, I I totally disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, I think basically we're finding that it's complicated and uh, it might just take a rewatch to sort all that out. Um, But another thing in that that thing, in that conversation that uh, Claire then comes up to Jack and says, uh, did he tell you that he was pretending to be our dad? And Mm -hmm. Jack says, yes. So Claire knows that that's the scenario, but we recalled and discussed greatly on our podcast the first time that Claire mentions Unlock and says, you know, my dad told me that uh, that you guys that the others took my baby and my friend told me that the others took my baby she specifically separates out two entities that give her that piece of information well i really don't think that she has a complete picture of what's (laughs) going on i don't i don't think she realizes that that unlock can i don't yeah i don't think she's understanding how the the degree to which she's being manipulated actually the fact that she says you know did he tell you did he tell you that he was pretending to be our dad maybe what that that line is supposed to say is that somewhere between that point and now unlock also came clean with claire about being pretending to be her dad i don't right. know but uh, definitely a lot of a lot more thinking has to be done i think on that question um this episode had a lot of pyrotechnics in it just like last episode more explosions yeah, we're, we're, they're burning up their whole budget on pyro well this is their last season why not i mean i i, I like the scene where uh, well first zoe strolls into camp and says you have something of ours we want it back and unlock says, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, that's just like when Locke went to Winmore about Desmond. Yeah. Winmore says, I don't know what that's you're talking about. That's exactly why yeah. he said it. He's basically throwing it back in their face. Um, and then they for whatever reason, our scientists now have anti-ballistic cruise missiles and they basically fire a warning shot. And I love that basically they had the shot right on 
um, Terry O'Quinn's face standing completely still when this exp- this massive explosion goes off in the jungle right behind it's him. It's just like when the sub blew up. It's the exact same shot of, of Locke standing there and yeah. the, the explosion happening behind yeah, him. Yeah, you're right. Although, I mean, I think Locke flinched in that scene. I mean, but still it was something that he knew was coming. And, you know, I, I thought that was a dramatic scene. But def- definitely, you know, showing badass, you know, unlock. I definitely th- thought that was cool. I'm wondering, I mean, it didn't look necessarily like green screen in that specific scene. And having been around where there are some pyrotechnic events it is not easy to not be affected by something like that going off in your vicinity so i think zoe i mean you're saying that Locke is a badass i really think zoe is a badass i don't i think zoe is still a scientist trying to be a badass she's definitely a little tougher now than she was before when she said well your problem widmore was giving a geophysicist the job instead of a mercenary (laughs) so maybe she's kind of stepping up here but i don't know i mean i'm still not sold on zoe i think that if there was anyone that was going to get blown up by dropping a bag of dynamite it should be a scientist for crying out loud. But anyway, let's move on. Now, we talked about whether we thought Saeed shot Desmond. I think the answer there is no. A lot of that, I think, telegraphed from the flash sideways. But in that conversation, Saeed says to um, Desmond, um, when Desmond says, you think he can bring her back when she's dead? And, De- and Saeed says, he brought me back to life. Is that what we saw in the temple? Was the man in black bringing Desmond back to life? It seemed like the temple folks were doing something in service to Jacob, not the man in black. So I I don't see how what happened in the spring would have anything to do with the man in black. Except that the people in the temple were surprised by seeing Desmond, I mean, seeing Saeed come back to life. I mean, they didn't expect that. Um, they oh, were right, they were more right. clear that he was dead. So I guess to some extent that's what happened. I, I did think that that was an interesting line. Now, yes, you know, Saeed basically got snarky with Locke like hey you want to go check on him go right ahead and he hesitates before leaving so I think you know Desmond is getting a potential you know opportunity to redeem himself here and and that that's that's a good thing right now um the question is, in this episode, in several cases, when the plan is explained and we're getting everyone together and we're getting on the boat, people ask, what about Claire? What about Saeed? Now, in Claire's case, they're basically saying, you know, she's not really Claire or, you know, she's nuts. Actually, Sawyer says to Jack, you know, we're leaving your sister basically because she's nuts. Yeah, right. But that doesn't seem to upset him particularly. He seems to take that at face value. If anything, Kate, who has no relation to Claire, is more upset when Sawyer explains that he's leaving Claire behind. So. Well, I, I definitely think maybe Jack's thinking of the bigger picture and he's he sees something in the situation that he's a little afraid of too well I I just thought it was fascinating that uh, well basically everybody's arguing for Claire and nobody's arguing about Saeed they're like oh yeah that guy's a lost cause we're writing him off well he's, he's a zombie he definitely has changed I mean what exactly is going on in Saeed we don't really know but he's definitely not the person that we knew before the temple but it was explicitly said to at least jack that what happened to you know claire or what happened to saeed is what's happened what already happened to claire but again it's saeed that's the lost cause i just find it's interesting just like when people are sorry that libby got killed but nobody's sorry that Anna Lucia. <laughs> they're just kind of you know, forgetting one of the two people that were in that scenario i noticed that in this episode that uh, hurley gets a creepy hug from claire we were very concerned when claire was was like holding kate's hand and, and hugging her right and i think this is definitely a signal 
that something is happening during this transaction. Right. I mean, we thought that maybe she's trying to get them sick. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it just seemed weird again that that specific action was being depicted. So basically, Unlock says, all right, we need, we're, we're going to give them the confrontation that we want. We, we need to get that boat. Who should I pick to go get my boat? I have all of these minions who are following me who have no baggage with Locke, who have no reason to uh, distrust me, but why don't I pick Sawyer to go and get <laughs> this boat for me? And, you know, Kate goes along with it. I mean, why let Sawyer be the person with whom this this great, you know, part of his plan hinges upon? Yeah, I, I don't really know. I mean, of all those people, Sawyer would kind of be the one that I trust the least. Well, he does send Sawyer over to Hydra Island to basically do the recon with Widmore because he, he knew that, you know, Sawyer could talk his way into, I guess, their defenses and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, it, again, it did seem like kind of a weird a decision to let Sawyer go, except I think it's quite possible that he knew exactly what was going to happen. And he just wanted to get Jack alone. He just wanted to get Jack alone because, you know, the question, the big question of this episode is, is Jack now on the man in black side, on Smoke Monster's side, on Unlock's side? It is said to him twice. At the very beginning, Claire says, sorry, buddy, you think you haven't made up your mind, but since Unlock talked to you, you're what, you're with him now. And we've heard that said before, you know, don't let him talk or you're going to be with him. Yeah, I mean, I totally think Jack is doomed. I think oh. he's, I think he's, I don't know if he's signed his death warrant, but he's definitely made some kind of an agreement that he's not even fully aware right, of. Right. Again, I think that he might be because also at the very end of the episode, the last line is Unlock saying, everything's going to be okay. You're with me now. And there were sef- definitely parallels between, you know, a big explosion and Jack knocked to the ground having trouble with his hearing. And that sort of sounded like what Claire went through when the barracks exploded. That's and, you know, true, she's yeah. acting kind of mopey and weird and confused. So I think that there are some, a lot of parallels. And so if that's the case, if if that's what I think basically we're, the possibility is that Unlock only wanted Jack, that Jack was the one that he wanted. And so sending Sawyer off, maybe anticipating a confrontation on the boat even or anticipating that something would go off in Jack's head because they would talked would bring him back. I mean, that's the only other way that I could rationalize why Sawyer had to be the one to get everyone off, you know bring all of the candidates on the boat but remove themselves from whatever yeah. whatever the the man in in black is up to whatever unlock is up to but when jack jumps off the boat he says you know again that i felt something was missing we still need to do something that still sounds like season five jack where he's you know he's he's basically waiting around for his moment when he gets his moment in season five it's blowing up jughead and we all know that didn't necessarily turn out well <laughs> so i find it fascinating that once again he's chasing his moment he's chasing the act that he needs to do he's certainly now the man looking of for something to fix right well that's that's actually true and certainly in line with his character now in terms of the great checklist of lost this episode did give us one big i guess payoff and that's the final island reunification of sun and Jin. their long search for each other is finally over they get together hug and kiss and say in english i love you you know this makes me sound like a really heartless cold person but <laughs> I was a little underwhelmed. Well, I mean, it, it's it, again, they were kept apart for so long. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast that it was almost becoming, you know, Michael Waltz sort of level. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes a joke unto itself. And they are in a hurry. This episode was all about let's get to the next plot point. So they basically rushed through it. So there was that. There was the fact that they had to have Frank 
say the obvious. You know, yes, they're saying they're talking in English. Look, 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 son is talking. So why does Frank have to pull uh, a, a David Caruso and yeah. almost flip up those sunglasses in CSI <laughs> Miami and go, look like somebody got their English back? And then you yeah. know, I was expecting the Who to start playing at that point. <laughs> uh, so that was cheesy. And the thing that many people referenced, and I certainly thought was, if you're 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 sitting on the edge of your seat. You're watching this episode in that scene, you know, right before, right as Sun and Jin catch sight of each other. You know, Zoe says, "Oh, turn off the electric fence. Turn off the electric fence." And they start running toward each other. And in the shot between Sun and Jin, there's an electric fence pole. So I'm just I'm like, "Oh God, they're gonna get zapped, and that'll be mm-hmm. it." I mean, they're gonna completely deny us that. And then of course, nothing happened. It was actually off, and they're perfectly fine. But that itself was distracting. So Frank was distracted. The, the sonic fence was distracting and they had to quickly get you know to the next plot point which is the deal is off with Widmore yeah exactly so they had very little time to savor it so I, I agree I, I mean I did feel for them I'm glad that it happened now although that does give them more time to get in trouble but I'm also kind of I mean, it reminds me of the Penny and Desmond reunion there was in fact a Penny and Desmond reunion right right you know, on, on, the, the on the boat yeah and even that was sort of like Oh, we've we've we love this vast love story, but when they finally get back together, it's like, mm, good to see you, hug, kiss, let's move on. Yeah, and that's kind of what this did. And and like when you mentioned that you kind of liked how Sawyer and Kate in the Flash sideways were better when they were you know flirting with each other and feeling each other out. I think basically these characters are much more fun longing for each other maybe than they are actually getting back together. I would have actually, you know, if they hadn't ever gotten back together, it would be something for us to to look back on and it would have been kind of I think it would have been more beautiful for them to not have ever found each other yeah, on the island except that this is lost and a lot of times they give us the simplest answer instead of the most complex one and I think that was a given when they started setting this up I need to find my husband I need to find my husband I thought it was interesting that you know uh, Jin says we'll never be apart again right and that is in fact almost the exact words that were used in his wedding vows when we finally saw them actually getting married when Jacob goes to visit them at the end of season well, five. Well, he also says it to Son right after they crash. You know, don't ever leave my side. We have to always be oh, together. Season one at the beginning. We think then, we have an idea of what Jin is. We think he's domineering and scary. And a jerk. And, and abusive. And he's saying it now in, in, a, in a different way. And it kind of makes us re-examine what he was saying before. That's true. And so, you know, to some extent, a good theme, a good thing that they've returned to uh, making for them. But also when somebody says that we're always going to be together forever, um, that definitely sounds like foreshadowing of the worst kind. I oh, mean, yeah, absolutely. It, if they had if they had drawn out their separation to the very end, which I thought they were going to, mm-hmm. you know, then, oh, that's the payoff. But now we've got four more episodes and Lord knows what never be apart ever again could possibly mean. Yeah. So we're going to have to stay tuned for that. Um, anything else on the island story really stand out to you? Well, okay. Here's something that bugs me. Sawyer has made Star Wars references <laughs> yes. in the past. He called Hurley Jabba, um, Jabba, Jabba and he called Jin Chewie. So how does he not know who Anakin is? A lot of people had that question. That was really strange. I mean, Sawyer's just as good with the pop culture references as Hurley is. Now, maybe they've basically kind of given us a narrow window by which he was subject to this. Maybe it's only in the 70s or something. I mean, it's such a random thing for him not to know. Right. Now, okay, it's a little ridiculous that I'm going to say this, but Anakin's name (laughs) is not introduced until Return of the Jedi. So maybe, again, you know, he just didn't watch that particular movie. But, well, he says Jabba. And Jabba the Hutt came up in Return of the Jedi 
Jedi as well. Well, unless you're watching the restored versions, in which case he appears in the original Star Wars. No, okay, the the new revised version definitely do not exist, and certainly someone as cool as Sawyer knows that those movies, those changes. I mean, come on, come on, Han shot first. Yes, he did. He doesn't. (laughs) He he should at least know that. But anyway, a good point. I, I think that it's telling that Hurley says, but you can bring someone back from the dark side. That Anakin was redeemed. You know, he's watching the Emperor kill his kid, and he basically takes an action to stop that he he basically denies his dark lord so i do think that that might be a hint that yes desmond is going to deny his dark lord i i i liked sawyer's uh, nickname for for uh, for frank now the chesty. Wh- chesty which was good because when he said earlier you know let's get a b c and the guy that looked like he walked off the set to a to a burt reynolds movie yeah i mean that was just a little he tried a little too hard i think for that pop culture reference but chesty definitely i think uh, made up for that well before we go we like to talk about the locations used in the episode and i think you're familiar with some of these Mm -hmm. um the office building where claire and desmond and jack and david and ilana and everybody came together was pawaki tower in downtown honolulu now interestingly that same mezzanine level that they used in this episode also was heathrow airport back in season one very briefly so if you pay attention to the marble wall that's what you're going to see the hospital where sun and Jin and jack and Locke turned up was the rehab hospital of the pacific they've done a lot of filming there but the ambulance bay where they pull up and get on the gurneys that was actually at kuakini hospital across the street the house where saeed was captured by sawyer and miles is uh, on waiohinu drive in kahala that was the same house that was nadia's house the last time we saw it the cove where the elizabeth was found was out at ko'olina which is kind of a high-end resort here on oahu Mm -hmm. And actually, they filmed the water scenes right off there as well. And uh, people were watching them film, and their boats were getting closer and closer, and they kept having to go down below decks to get those boats to go away. So I thought that was kind of an interesting story. The um, old pier where Jack and his group boarded the Elizabeth and kind of got tried to get almost got stopped by Claire was Coconut Island in Kaneohe Bay. And um, we had a filming report from there from someone who worked out there. Uh, the police station, interestingly, was built on the lost soundstage. Now, f- up until now, the police station where Miles and Sawyer worked was the old police building in downtown. Yeah, I thought it looked different this time It did look different, and I thought, well, maybe they just wanted to film somewhere where people couldn't see them, like, you know, nosy fans. But no, it turns out that the building was recently renovated and they couldn't get access to it. So they literally took the blueprints of that old building and built it on the soundstage. And if, in fact, if you watch the latest official Lost podcast, they feature that location. Cool. So a lot of locations this episode, a lot of characters, a lot of plot, story, movement, explosions in this episode. But those are just our two cents on The Last Recruit. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll get to your two cents and you all, everybody. <laughs> We start things off with Mark from Texas. Now, I actually put a moratorium on holy freaking crap because it was getting a little (laughs) ridiculous. But he said, you know, it just can't be avoided with this episode. And why not use it as a unit of measure? And he thought that this was a high HFC episode. Up next, we hear from John, Lucia and Felix. Hey, guys, what's up? It's uh, John from North Carolina. 
Gotta say, I really like this episode. It's, uh, you know, it's definitely not the best this season, but it, it kind of, it had something that a lot of the episodes this season has been lacking, and, like, that everybody was, you know, everybody got together, but everybody, like, had their moments. Like, I, I mean, I just love this episode for so many things. Kate got her moment with Claire, which is, like, at the beginning of that scene, I was like, all right, all right, Kate, come on, let's get it going. But I actually liked that scene a lot after it was over. I thought it was a really cool, one of the better parts for Kate this season. That was great. Sawyer and Jack's talk on the boat, that was insane. Like, I love that scene because it just totally, Sawyer is season one Jack, and Jack is, like, season one Locke. I mean, it's, like, complete verse, verse uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Can't wait for next week's episode. Can't wait to hear what y'all think. Love the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing. And I'll talk to y'all later. Hey, Ryan and Jen. It's Lucia from Oakland. Yay! Son and Jen are back together. I yelled at the screen, finally, when that happened. And um, definitely was crying when it happened. It was a very sweet moment, unfortunately. Followed up by a big twist and turn. But that's what I love about Locke. I mean, well, Locke and Lost, the twists and the turns. That was a little slip there. Um Love this show. It was great. It reminded me a lot of the earlier seasons where all of our main lovely characters were together interacting in, in so many different ways. And I'm convinced now that Jack is going to be the next Jacob because he said he didn't feel right leaving the island this time nor the last time. I don't think he's going to choose to leave it again, even though his life in the sideways is vastly improved than his earlier life. So, anyway, great Great episode. Um, alrighty, thanks so much. Take care. Bye bye. Hi, this is Felix calling from Hong Kong. I really, really, really liked the episode yesterday. I'm really excited for the last four that are coming. And basically, I noticed something. Um, I mean, in the flash sideways, Jack is going to be able to heal uh, Locke. Locke will be able to walk again, and they'll be like best friends. They'll be sipping. They'll be sipping on beers on the porch, just like how the two of them will be spending a foreseeable eternity on the island as Jack replaces Jacob. So let me know what you guys think about that. Thank you very much. Keep up the good work. Mahalo for those calls. Well, John from North Carolina really liked the episode. I really enjoyed that scene with Kate and Claire. I thought it was a really interesting turn for Kate, the way she was she was able to talk Claire onto yeah, and the, the boat. Yeah, standing up to Sawyer. I thought that was really yeah. good. And of course, John and Lucia both saying they liked this episode because it had everybody together. It was like season one. Yeah, I missed that. I missed the, you know, having all the characters together and, and, and interacting. Except for Miles, Ben, and Albert. Well, but, yeah. Okay, and, and of course, both Lucia and Felix saying that uh, Jack is going to place Jacob. You know, Lucia says that uh, Jack doesn't want to or eventually can't leave the island. And, you know, I like the way kind of Felix put it, that they're going to be sort of maybe frenemies, maybe. <laughs> We're going to see them, I can see them repeating the scene on the beach with uh, Jacob and the man in black, and this time it's Jack and Locke basically kind of hanging out. They're stuck together forever and ever. Well, we've seen Jack change so much in the course of the series from a skeptic to almost kind of a believer and, and Unlock still wants to go home. Right, so I think that could possibly continue. Well, next up, Alex, Deborah, and Jeremy. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Alex, the Greek, calling from Michigan. First-time caller, long-time listener. I just finished watching The Last Recruit and, oh boy, I'm so mad. This cliffhanger is almost unbearable. Everything is cut to the middle of the action and going so fast on both worlds is just, it's just crazy. 
Anlag is understandably mad since everyone is betraying him now, and which I love, including Saeed, who I'm pretty sure he, he didn't kill Dajma. I mean, come on. I, I'm, I don't think so. And uh, the Jin Sun reunion was not as good as other reunions, I think, that uh, we've seen in the past, but I guess it was reasonable since it had to be cut short by the Whitmore henchmen. And I'm getting more and more excited now as we've reached the end, and I'm sure you are too. I uh, can't wait to uh, read and listen to what you think about this episode, guys. Uh, mahalo for your great show, and good night, guys. Hey, Ryan and Jen. It's Deborah from North Carolina. Just calling to gripe. I'm, I'm starting to feel irritated with the way that questions are being answered and people are being moved. I'm having trouble with the way groups of people are being moved around now. So Hurley went through this big process of taking leadership and saying we have to go talk to Locke and people took sides and Team Hurley went to go talk to Locke and they got there and Sawyer says, come on, we have to go. So they all go with Sawyer. And Sawyer kicks Jack off the boat. Oh, but they, but Kate brings Claire on the boat and then Sawyer kicks Jack off the boat. So Jack is back with Locke and, uh, and, and they're just, this, this moving groups of people around without the characters, without it seeming to be consistent with the characters and who they are and what they feel and why they would do things. I think that the um, effort to move the story along is being done at the expense of who these people are and why they would do what they would do. All right. Thanks. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Hi. Hi, Ryan and John. It's Jeremy from San Francisco, called once before. Uh, I hated that last episode. I think it was the worst episode ever in the whole time of Lost. I, my expectation is with these last 10 episodes, there should be like a, on 10 being best on a scale of 1 to 10. It should be 10, 10, 10. And I don't feel like I'm getting that. I'm worried that I'm going to get set up like the finale of Twin Peaks, which is like I'm scarred, I'm scarred for life on that. Um my last theory is the smoke monster is a genie. How come hasn't no one has it? Have we covered this already? I don't think I've heard of that part. And the rules aren't there all sorts of genie rules with genies? All right, thanks, bye. Wow, well, thanks for those calls, Alex. Just really pent up with all of the cliffhangers and how fast everything is moving, and we yeah. have to wait two weeks until they come back again. Deborah says that she's sort of frustrated with the way, and I see it, that you know, there's so much positioning, there's so much movement, they're getting across the island in record time, it's almost a little ridiculous. Well, I find it weird that Hurley was the leader for like f- four episodes, right. you know, he's telling everybody what needs to be done, and Jack is just like, okay, can I take over? And Hurley's just Okay. And now Jack's in charge. Yeah. And that's it. So I, I can certainly see kind of that frustration. But talk about frustration. Jeremy just hated the episode. He he says season six has to be all tens, and we're not getting that. And certainly there was some people, you know, not happy with the last recruit. But the Twin Peaks, I think that's kind of a low blow. Well, you know, I was a Twin Peaks fan, and I got really, really hurt at the end of of Twin Peaks. So I can feel <laughs> his fear. Right. I know where he's coming from, but I really. I have a lot of faith, and I think things are going really well, actually. Well, well you know, the more and more, more I see people who are really frustrated with Lost, and I, I, think, I think it's reasonable to be frustrated with Lost, but I think a lot of people are almost being defensively or proactively upset. Like, we all, I think, are afraid of being hurt. It's almost like being in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. So right before we're afraid of getting dumped, we start acting like jerks. <laughs> so I think maybe that might be what's going on. Uh, the whole thing about Smoke Monsters, Genie, that actually has come up, and certainly there's a whole thing with wish fulfillment here on the island. We 
We now have calls from Connor, Eric, and Nate. Hey, this is Connor from Mississippi. Uh, it's calling about this week's episode of Lost. And, and I've just been going online, kind of reading different people's reactions. It's a lot of mixed stuff. It's a lot of, well, it was good, but, and, you know, it had a lot of flaws, and this bugged me, and all this. But, you know, I judge, you know, my TV shows about maybe a different criteria than other people do. And, and I loved, you know, last night's episode. Like, it was, I kept, I couldn't move. Like, I was just, I sat really close to the TV, just my eyes glued. You know, my mouth dropped a few times. Like, I was completely entranced. I didn't think about anything else the entire time I watched it. And there's not many shows that do that to me. You know, and, and this one does almost every single week. And maybe even a little more so last night. So, for all the people that, you know, really felt it was stagnant, it was just set up, you know, it's, it, it probably was just set up, but it's great, wonderful setup. You know, I, I wish people would stop complaining. So, there you go. Thanks. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Eric from Oakland, California, um, calling about The Last Recruit. I actually really loved the episodes. Um, I think ultimately I am a big Jack fan, even though I get really annoyed with him and tired of him at times. But that's kind of the point to me of all these characters is each of them has some wonderful strengths and then some really annoying obsessions and patterns that they get stuck in. I think it's really uh, significant that Jack and Locke are together and going through something big in both uh, realities. I feel like in a lot of ways the first four seasons were a a kind of big struggle between Jack and Locke and what they represented, man of science, man of faith being the most obvious example of that. And now Jack has become, in a sense, a man of faith, wanting to stay on the island for a purpose. And the Locke of Unlock has become this, in a sense, man of science, debunking Jacob, thinking it's time to get off. They have to get off the island. I also think it's really interesting how... uh, as Jack has stepped into Locke's old shoes as the faith person, um, Sawyer has kind of stepped into Jack's old shoes as the leader, getting everyone off the island. Very practical. Anyways, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Hey, Ryan and Jen. Uh, my name is Nate Rogers, calling from Somerville, Massachusetts. Um, I just did my rewatch of The Last Recruit. At the very end of the episode, the very final scene, uh, Jack is incoherent after the explosion on the beach, and he glances up, and lo and behold, what is on the side of his neck but a wound that very strongly resembles the wound that we saw him mysteriously have in uh, the season premiere LAX. So, uh, I think that's quite interesting. Uh, I think that's a lot to think about, um, and I don't think that I'm imagining things. So, take a look, and... uh, you know, do some uh, do some chewing on that. All right, guys, take care. Bye. Mahalo for those calls. Well, Connor, they're having kind of an answer to some of the critics. And you know, I have to admit, I was like, I wasn't sure how I felt about this episode. I had to watch it. I had to read all of the comments on the blog to kind of get around to really understanding it and grokking it. But he makes a good point. Even a bad episode of Lost is a good episode of television. Yeah, you can't argue with that. I mean, so here we are. We, we, we despite the fact that we might have been disappointed, we're still talking about it. I I googled to see when Anakin's name was introduced in the trilogy of Star Wars. I'm like, wait a minute, what am I? 
doing. I mean, that's how good Lost is. We are all completely entranced, whether we want to admit it or not. So Eric says that, yes, Jack and Locke are both basically going through traumatic experiences together. Right. I kind of liked his point. I think John from North Carolina made it as well, that Jack's becoming the new Locke and Sawyer's becoming the new Jack. So we're kind of seeing that these progressions for all of the characters. And Nate from Somerville, Massachusetts, points out the wound. I didn't catch that at all. I didn't either. So now when we think about it, we we just said that maybe there's a parallel between what happened to Claire and the exploding, you know, Othersville building Mm -hmm. and now Jack getting blown up on the beach and being carried off. If that wound on his neck is the same wound that he shows up with on the plane, are they perhaps suggesting that it is at the point that that explosion happened on the beach that he gets thrown onto the airplane? That that's where the Mm -hmm. consciousness shifts and maybe from this point on, on the island, Jack is somebody else and as we said, maybe taken by the man in black. Very interesting. Yeah, the implications are certainly interesting. We now have calls from Jen, John, and Skillen. Hey, Ryan and Jen. Um, Long-time listener of your podcast. Listen to it every day on my way to work in increments. First-time caller. Um, This is Jen from Augusta Puppy Wings on Twitter. First of all, that last episode was, to me, like ADD. Um, It was things were just scattered all over the place, bits and pieces. Couldn't quite put everything together. Um, But then again, that's lost. Um, Another thing I thought didn't seem right was Saeed, a member of the Republican National Guard and the Flash Sideways, gets trapped by Sawyer by a garden hose, which is a tripwire. Just it didn't make sense to me. Didn't seem to follow his character. Anyway, just wanted to say, love the podcast. Um, Waiting to hear other theories. Thank you. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is John from Montana. Um, Long-time listener since your first episode. Um... So decided to see tonight's episode of Lost. I, I'm just practically speechless. Um, kind of wondering if they're going to finally give us an answer as to how Claire got claimed in the first place. We've seen Saeed almost die and then come back. And there's almost an allusion at the end of this episode to Jack having being taken by Locke as well. Though I think that may not actually be the case. But what happened to Claire? Did she die and come back? I'm just wondering if we're ever going to get that answer. It's a small piece and probably not anything worth um, thinking too hard about, but just kind of wondering if we're going to see that. So many things happened tonight, just absolutely blown away. Thanks for such a great podcast. I've really enjoyed getting to hear your thoughts over the last couple of years. Um, thanks and mahalo. Hi, this is Skillin from Gladden, and I've got an I, uh, an oddball theory. I'm a big show of the fan, or the uh, big fan of the show Babylon Five. In Babylon 5, you had two races, the Shadows and the Vorlons, that would pit each race against the other. The Shadows believed in chaos, bidding them against each other. The Vorlons believed in order, trying to get everybody to work together. And the way that you won the war and stopped these races from basically manipulating you was choosing not to participate in their conflict. And I'm wondering if that's the same theory on Lost is... You've got the man in black on his side and the Jacob on his side, and they conflict. And maybe by choosing not to choose one of their sides, you end the conflict, at which point Rose and Bernard might have been the reason that everything changed is because they chose not to participate in the conflict 
back in 1977. So it may not have been the atomic bomb that ended everything, but it may be Rose and Bernard choosing not to participate. Just a theory. Mahalo for those calls. Well, Jen from Augusta, once again, our poor, you know, Republican Guard soldier being shown not doing very soldierly things. Isn't that how he gets caught by Rousseau at Tripwire? That's right. He gets caught before. I mean, maybe he just has a (laughs) blind spot on the ground. He just doesn't see where his feet are. And I don't know. But uh, poor dude. And John from Montana, very curious about how Claire got claimed. And I think we still don't know either. I mean, we're just making the assumption. We might not ever fully understand exactly what happened. But I do think that the answer to that question is kind of important to understanding what might or might not happen with Saeed. Again, it's implied that Claire's further down this process than Saeed is, but if anything, Claire still seems to have a little more spunk in herself than Saeed does. And finally, Skillen um, pointing out Babylon 5, definitely a series that was that benefited from having a set beginning and an end, but for him, I think it's a theory that we've heard before that maybe the answer is not to get involved with the conflict. Well, it's like war games. Right. You know, the only way not to lose is to not play. Right, right. And so certainly Rose and Bernard are the first examples of the conscientious objectors and I still think there are a couple of ways that they can be worked into this final season. Well, we loved all the calls we got, but we love getting emails and blog comments as well. John Fisher writes, I tend to be very critical of Lost episodes, Mm. especially in this last season, but I really like this one. It really set the table for the final five hours. I love seeing Sun and Jen reunited and all the folks in the alternative universe coming together. I like Jack making a stand. Most importantly, no one has mentioned that Jack is the only one who chose to go back to the island and confront the man in black. He is the last recruit and he is the one who will ultimately defeat the man in black. All of the others decided to flee. I felt more at peace with this episode than any of the others this season, though I know many horrible things will come as soon as the next episode. Well, certainly. Uh, well, great. I mean, John has been, I think, one of the more uh, articulate voices for some of the problems this season and he liked yeah. it, so that's certainly worth noting. Fernando writes, after 12 episodes of going back and forth between the beach and the jungle, the show is finally picking up the pace we expected for the entire season. Kudos to the writers for making Jin and Sun's reunion touching, but quick. <laughs> I also love the parallels. Sawyer jumping out of the chopper in season four and Jack jumping off the boat tonight and Jack meeting his half-sister on and off the island. It was very interesting to see in the flash sideways so many of the characters' paths crossing. We can all feel the show is coming together even if we still don't know where to. Jen in Scotland writes, I really enjoyed this episode although I thought it was a little uneven. Some scenes were amazing and some were a little disappointing. I love the first scene between Jack and Unlock. Unlock's line, John John Locke was not a believer. He was a sucker. Was absolutely chilling and heart-wrenching at the same time. I feel like the real Locke will be vindicated before the end and the man of faith will be justified. I can't see the writers ending the show with him portrayed as a duped, gullible character. Mm. I also really enjoyed the scene between Kate and Sawyer. I loved the banter between them, which got me a little nostalgic for the first few seasons. Not that I'm shipping for them, but it was still fun to watch. Absolutely. And you know, she certainly shares our, our hope that by, by kicking Locke while he's down is just sort of giving us an opportunity to bring him back up. Oh, yeah. Russ from Texas writes, I thought it was a weak episode. No wow factor for me. It was not a very revealing or strong setup episode. Okay, writers, we get that the characters off-island are converging. Let's step things up now as opposed to revisiting the same theme over and over without real progress. Desmond seemed unconvincing and creepy trying to get Claire to see his lawyer, looking over her shoulder to read her name on the sign-in sheet and following her into the elevator. It was all very stalkerish and somewhat forced. Desmond's character is becoming creepy and and desperately silly. He is more of a stalker than an influencer, and it's chipping away as at his credibility as someone who is in the know. He should take a tip from our friend Richard Alpert. I know. I really like that scene. I it really worked for me. I you know I thought that 
we could really see the skepticism on Claire's face, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. we could really also detect a greater understanding of something else happening. Right. I mean, and, and you know, Richard Alpert, yes, he was very good off the island and trying to, to, to get people where they needed to be before, but now we see him on the island completely scattered and lost. He doesn't know what's going on, so it can happen to the best of us. Brendan in Wisconsin writes, all through the episode, I was thinking, why is the man in black trusting everyone? If he needed all of them to stay together, he certainly wouldn't trust them off on their own, especially Sawyer. Even if he trusted them, there's no way he'd let them out of his sight if that w- if it was that important to leave together. I didn't buy his one group travel slow argument. Sure enough, at the end, it seems he knew they would try to leave except for Jack. Jack now seems like the leading candidate in my eyes. Yep. So once again, I think basically what we saw there is he was maybe only after keeping Jack to himself, which means he might actually have plans for the rest of the candidates, which is worrisome. Roberta mm-hmm. in Seattle writes, even though I expected the reunion with Sun and Jin, I cried. I'm not giving up on Saeed or Claire or Kate, but as the end comes faster and faster, I think we have to have resolution for Des and Penny. If anything happens to them, I'll really be crying. What happened to Des and Penny's coffee shop date anyway? Did they totally drop that storyline, or am I in an alternate universe? No, what did happen? I mean, he said, meet me there in an hour. That and was now, at night. Yeah, and he's running around running people over. Right, so, I mean, I guess there's a story that needs to be told, maybe a flashback again within the flash sideways to see what happened. And maybe that might explain why he went to see the lawyer, something with um, Penny and, I don't know, that's that's actually very interesting. That is something that seems to have just been dropped. Um, I should mention Roberta in Seattle was actually here in Hawaii in February and she actually saw them filming that scene of Desmond and Claire on the escalator. She said that she had the same experience that you did at Bishop Museum oh, when, really? Des- when Henry Ian Cusick gave her a little smile and it just about melted her little heart. Lucky so. girl. <laughs> Erwin from Fila writes, I was a bit disappointed by the Sun Jin reunion this week. After building it up for so long, it was a little underwhelming and Frank's one-liner only made it worse. Yeah, I'm also now thinking something unpleasant is in store for Sun and Jin. Had they waited another episode or two to reunite them that could have been the end of their stories but with the little time that is left i fear the writers have one more twist in mind for those characters and i doubt it'll be a happy one yeah we have the same fears Brat from East Lansing writes, Jack Shepard's son, David, is perfectly cast. Those two look like father and son for real. Dylan Minnette, the actor who plays David, better consider getting a DNA test done to see if he's actually <laughs> Matthew Fox's son. I'm actually glad that this duo had some time to work out their issues to get on some higher ground. Many of us in the real world sometimes let these family grudges go on too long over pride, like in season one's Jack and Christian, who never got a chance to tell each other what they really wanted to say until it was too late. Well, certainly if mother know father to daddy issues basically big on the show we do know that lock in the flash sideways at least is talking to his dad yeah but how that kind of gets worked out i'm not sure but yeah again really great casting and, and good scenes with them desmond's pen writes i had been holding on to the belief that christian was not man in black because of one connection hurley saw ghost charlie while at santa rosa and he told hurley to tell jack that he would be visited soon too then christian appeared to jack at jack's office if man in black was christian then ghost charlie would be tied to Man in Black too, which would also mean that Hurley would have been following Man in Black. I don't think the writers would make Hurley a patsy like that. Jack's sighting off-island, as well as Michael's on the freighter, both would have involved Man in Black crossing water, which he said he can't do on his own, so I think that the off-island Christian is possibly a real ghost sighting, trying to lead them on the right path. Yeah, like Michael and, and Claire and Kate's yeah, dream. We're definitely on the same page, especially if the whispers might tie into that as well. Rich in Cleveland writes,
writes, Flock seemed pretty gullible tasking Sawyer to retrieve the boat. He must know Sawyer's particular character flaw would inevitably cause him to strike out on his own. The slithering darkness has an intelligence that spans ages and also has the patience to plot this gambit down to the last detail. So why such an obvious mistake at the final hour? Because he needed to persuade the last recruit. As Ben once said, if you can get Jack, you can get all of them. And he was right. The ending wasn't the mind bender I was anticipating, but it was truly a visceral thud and a turning point in favor of darkness. Hmm, interesting that it might be the beginning of the end, maybe. But uh, I forgot. Yeah, that was the line. If you can get Jack, you can get everyone else. So it has been said by someone else that he's actually key to getting something done. I mm-hmm. like that. Carol from Boston writes, where does Widmore get these scientists that think nothing of blowing people? up. Is there a mercenary scientific branch out there somewhere? Maybe a marine slash MIT base? For an island that is there to contain evil and look for the good, there is a lot of death. There is such a disregard for life on Lost. And this again makes me question the goodness of Jacob and the island. Well, the stakes are really high and I'm, you know, I don't know if Widmore is on Jacob's team as much as he's just on his own team. Yeah, I think that basically if you're going to depict that this is the final conflict, then yeah, the stakes are going to be high. People are going to die but I did kind of like her joke about uh, the Marines and the MIT having a joint base. It's funny because it's actually kind of a little true as far as academics and military goes, but we won't <laughs> talk about that. Lucy Dog writes, who else thinks that when the cops, i.e. Sawyer and Miles, go to interview Jen and son in the hospital in the sideways world, Miles will bring along Charlotte, hmm. his friend from his dad's museum, as she speaks Korean. Well, there's another way to bring them together. Yep. And actually, they went out of their way to have to bring, you know, Mikhail back. I mean, Kimi had to get someone to help translate the Korean. Right. So who do we know who speaks Korean? I kind of like that as well. Well, we are always amazed and grateful for all the fantastic feedback that we get on Lost. And it's a shame that we can only include some of it in our podcast. We're up to 380 comments and counting for this last week. Now, remember, Lost is taking a break this week, and they're going to be showing the great Richard Alpert episode, Ab Eterno, again on April 27th. So we're going to be taking a break. But several of our blog regulars have actually organized their own rewatch project, and they're going to be watching the season five premiere because you left and the lie so if you think you're going to be starving for lost conversation this week we encourage you to join in and be a part of the analysis and exploration we're going to start a new thread just for that rewatch on the blog but a new episode airs on may 4th so don't forget to come by and share your feedback we're less than a month away from the end now so we really would like your thoughts we can't survive without you so please share your take on the blog at hawaiiup.com slash lost email us at lost at hawaiiup.com or call and leave a message on the lost line at 815-310-0808 now coming up in about four minutes the forward cabin but first once again a musical treat from the others lost band this is their latest track based on last week's heartwarming episode everybody loves hugo after a lifetime love affair with chicken Hugo's good at getting trophies He's not so good with women Built a paleontology wing In a brand new house for children Hurley wishes Libby would come back Puts a flower on her grave Alana, she was murdered right before our first day Michael says I have to stop the plan To dynamite the plane It's unstable Hugo. Everybody loves Hugo. 
mean Libby at the restaurant But she's not your blind date You'll think she's crazy if she tells you how she knew your name Remembers you from somewhere, thinks you might be so nice Ilana has been training for this her whole life Which is ended when she blows up with her back Everybody Loves Hugo, the latest song from the Others Lost Band. They're a great group based out of Boston that writes a song based on each new episode of Lost. And if you want to find out more and hear more of their music, you can go to theotherslostband.com. And we're also going to have a link to them in our show notes on the blog. But now we are in the forward cabin where we look ahead on Lost. So yes, these are spoilers. If you don't want to know, you might want to switch us off. But we start with the next new episode after we skip a week on May 4th, what are we going to see? It's episode 14. It's called The Candidate. The synopsis reads, Jack's suspicions about Locke make his decision more difficult after he is asked to complete a difficult task. Jack's suspicions about Locke make his decision more difficult. So is he going to be more interested in helping Locke or less? I don't know. I think that's a very tantalizing uh, synopsis. But in any case, we know you want to get straight to the filming reports. Now, they've basically gone on for this full week. Remember, they thought they were going to be done a couple of weeks ago, but they've definitely gone over schedule. Um, I did mention in our last podcast that they were doing a late night shoot on Saturday night. And uh, at the time, it was still happening. So I didn't have many details. In fact, they went till 4 a.m. on Sunday morning, but fortunately, I got a little more information. Now, it was, again, a big shootout in Kaimuki. They were both at Sacred Hearts Academy and St. Patrick's School on Wailai Avenue. Now, Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof were both there, and uh, actors cited included Jorge Garcia, Terry O'Quinn, Matthew Fox, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Emerson, Henry Ian Cusick were there, so that's certainly a good part of the cast, and as well 
well, walkie-talkie chatter referenced other characters, including Maggie Grace cool. or Shannon. Now, other fans that were lurking around there said that they think they also saw Sawyer, Jin, Rose, and maybe even Frank and Juliet. And we also know from Twitter that Ian Sommerhalder was also working that night. Now, that's a lot of folks. In fact, a crew member said that 19 cast members were there for that shoot. Now, at one point, there was also a call for babies on the set. And in fact, a blonde boy at around age three was also seen there. And that sounds a lot like Aaron, Mm -hmm. but not the Aaron of the Flash Sideways, at least. Now, the Santa Rosa mental health van was still there. And they actually did film a scene outside with Hurley in his yellow Hummer. And in fact, he was on the passenger seat. But that was pretty much for the exterior scenes. For most of the evening, they were definitely using the church at St. Patrick. And people were dressed very well. Now, on the side of the church, they filmed several actors climbing stairs up into it. Now, Jack and Christian were two that were filmed several times going up the stairs. Now, the question still remained that it was uh, whether it was a funeral or a wedding. Now, uh, Callie, a fan who was visiting from Maui, said that it seemed to her more like a funeral, but that well after midnight, she swears she saw a woman with a wedding dress and a veil on scurry into the church. Cool. So it might in fact be a wedding. She says that the woman had very dark hair, was very, very thin, but definitely not recognizable. Could very well have been an extra or a stand-in, mm-hmm. or in fact just something done to throw folks off the scent. But her thought was that it looked a little bit like uh, Yunjin Kim or son, although certainly that description fits Kate. Maybe not so much Helen, which I think mm. would have been our guess. But in any case, thanks to Callie as well as to Nikki and Jeff from Canada for their reports. They spent a significant portion of that night out in the rain. So oh. talk about hardcore fans. Moving on to Monday, the 19th. They were filming up at Paradise Park. This is uh, where a lot of jungle scenes are filmed, but this is also where the uh, Hydra station is, and they in fact rebuilt the polar bear cages there. Most interestingly though, they cleaned them up. They were different polar bear cages. They looked brand new. And according to my source, it actually looked like they were filming an orientation video of some kind, specifically with someone explaining how the polar bear cage works. So maybe an orientation for the Hydra. There were actually three actors. None of them were familiar. All of them had 70s haircuts, and one was missing part of his arm. And again, they were basically explaining how the cage works, how the fish biscuit machine works, and how to lock the cage. I mean, it sounded so surreal that I think the guess is that it might just be an extra on the DVD mm. or maybe something that appears on a video screen. It definitely didn't seem like the full, you know, complement of crew that shows up for a shoot, but it was definitely very interesting. On Tuesday, the 20th, they were filming out at Lanai Lookout in East Honolulu, and this is the, these are those very distinct cliffs once again, and Jorge Garcia and uh, Matthew Fox and Michael Emerson were spotted, Jack Bender once again directing. Now, the scenario looked very similar to the report that we had on our podcast a couple of weeks ago, so one thought is that it was just a reshoot of some of those scenes on the cliff. Interestingly, uh, local photographer Scott Sharrick, he's a friend of mine, he's on Flickr, he actually was out there just taking pictures, and he accidentally caught them, and he took a few pictures of them filming, some really nice pictures that he posted on Flickr, but uh, he definitely was given a hard time from the crew and security out there, so I definitely felt bad for him. He certainly isn't a fan of Lost, but he now had, I think, one of the highest page views on his Flickr account for those photos. They were also out in Kahalu'u in Waihe'e Valley Nature Park, and um, they were also back at Judd Trail in Nu'uanu. Both of those locations, very well-known jungle locations, 
applications, but not surprisingly, everything was well out of sight. Now, we did hear that Matthew Fox and Evangeline Lilly and Jorge Garcia were doing jungle scenes that day at at least one of those locations. Now, weirdly enough, I even drove past a base camp on the way to lunch that day. That was Tuesday, and the, the sign was back at Pier 2 near Restaurant Row, and that location has played LAX. So one day, almost five different locations. They were definitely mm. cramming it all in there, and thanks to Scott, the photographer, as well as Kim from New York for the reports. On uh, Thursday, the 22nd, it was a very busy day at the film studio on Diamond Head. Now, Kim, who I mentioned, she's actually been stopping by the studio every single day, and she noted that whatever they were doing on the soundstage, where I had reported earlier seeing them building an elaborate cave set with very, you know, kind of organic-looking stalactites um, leading up from the ground. I mentioned that last week. Um, Whatever they were doing, it required a lot of water trucks pumping a lot of water into that area. Um, There was also a quick shoot, apparently, at Wild. Imea Valley, and that's home of the iconic waterfall from several different uh, scenes of right. Lost. So water, as I think Damon or Carlton had hinted, is definitely significant here in the final act of Lost. Finally, on Friday, this was yesterday, again back at the Hawaii Film Studio. They were again filming on that soundstage. Um, on the lot, moving around, were spotted Terry O'Quinn, Jorge Garcia, Henry Ian Cusick, and Michael Emerson. Um, the crew was actually busy kind of breaking up and dumping huge, you know, fake styrofoam rocks out on the back lot. I think they were actually Mm -hmm. starting to deconstruct one of their sets, but actually the focus of attention on Friday was a tall, really tall rock structure that was built on the side lot. It had kind of an entrance like an opening to a cave maybe with a dark steel or metal awning over it. Now a couple of weeks ago I saw the same structure and it was just sort of a, a, a set of stairs very steep stairs just going up into nowhere, so I'm presuming that that's actually now what's inside this tall rock structure. Um, They then moved some of those stalactites, those cave stalactites, over to the opening or the entrance of this this tall structure. So that was interesting. And then they brought in a huge water tank truck as well. So once a lot of setup, a lot of things coming together here for what turned out to quite suddenly become a really significant uh, set. And in fact, they did not get started shooting yesterday until about 7.30 at night. It was definitely a night shoot, and it was after night fell that things got really interesting. They turned on the lights to film it to some extent, but what was more significant was that the entire structure was cast in red light. In fact, kind of a shimmering moving red light, and there was lighting within the structure as well. And frankly, it was unmistakable, even if you were driving past the film studio, as someone did, that what you were seeing is a lava eruption, a volcano erupting, just pulsating red and just fiery imaging on, on the side of the rocks. It was very dramatic. Of course, security was quite tight, and our intrepid fans were moved further and further back until they really couldn't see anything that was happening. But they were still going strong at 2.30 this morning. Um, certainly very tantalizing. And of course, I very much want to thank Kim again, Matt as well, as well as Jeff and Daryl, who were basically checking on them. And I'm pretty sure that that shoot was the last shoot of the series. And it's all over now. With that, I did want to throw in a couple of other things. Now, first of all, a late tidbit from a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, A friend of ours, uh, Sophie, uh, told us that a friend of hers swears that she saw them filming out at the Ajira plane set and that they actually had it suspended in the air as if they 
they were filming it flying, but oh. it sounded so ridiculous or just spectacular that I said, I'm, I'm not sure, I, you know, couldn't c- confirm that. So I didn't report on it. But this week, um, Jeff and Daryl, two of the fans that I just mentioned from the film studio, they actually showed me pictures of the plane. And interestingly enough, the plane the Ajira set out on Haleiwa is pointed the other way. It's now facing the other way on that old runway. And so now I'm thinking, well, maybe what Sophie's friend saw was them lifting it up and turning it around. Maybe it wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily filmed flying. But right before you discount the they are going to use that plane to fly theory, the picture that they had showed, remember uh, the broken window, you know, the co-pilot gets killed by the branch right. coming through the window. Um that window was now boarded up with like a Dharma door or some kind of Dharma structure, a wood or a metal plank with a Dharma logo on it. So mm-hmm. definitely repairs were also done to that plane. So I don't know. It sounds spect- it sounds ridiculous, but still using that plane might be in the cards. And finally, I think it's just necessary to mention that this week, something mythical and amazing was supposedly accidentally left in a bar and it was found by someone and it ended up on the internet and it caused quite a stir Mm -hmm. and no I'm not talking about the next Apple iPhone in fact it was supposedly a call sheet for the Thursday shoot and part of Friday yes I mean one of the more revealing kind of documents that could exist just mysteriously turns up at a restaurant Nobu here in Honolulu I don't know I'm not buying it you know a lot of people are very skeptical of it but I just felt that I had to mention that it was out there I mean it's all over the place so certainly if you see any link that could be suspicious um, and you're not into really hardcore spoilers although you must be if you're listening to this what am i saying but in any case <laughs> it's out there and i have to say based on what i and other fans have seen and as what i just reported here on those last two days of shooting it definitely seems to fit what was on that call sheet do you want to go over what's on the call sheet not or? really okay so go out and look at the call sheet if you want to see what's on it very tantalizing stuff so again yes friday was indeed the last day of filming they were almost two weeks over their original schedule but i think they got it done and today is their big real rap party over 600 people are going to celebrate the end of one of the most fantastic series in television history they're going to be out there uh, at a hotel in uh, east honolulu and i certainly wish them all the best they and they definitely deserve all the celebration that they can get for all of their hard work so that's it for the filming reports now. So that means this will probably be the last forward cabin with filming reports. So going forward, this segment will just, I think we're just going to talk briefly about the upcoming week's episode and maybe any specific filming for that episode that I recall for it. But uh, I got to say, I mean, it's kind of an end of an era of filming is done. So yeah. filming reports are done. It's sad. It is sad. But uh, that's it for that. And that means that's it for this episode of The Transmission. Now, remember, Lost is taking a break next week so while we'll be watching we're going to be taking a break from this podcast as well as you mentioned several of our blog regulars will be hosting a rewatch of the season five premiere because you left and the lie so if you want to join in grab your dvds and come on over to the blog at hawaiiup.com slash lost to talk about it but uh, we definitely hope you're going to rejoin us in two weeks when the next new episode airs remember this show is powered by you all everybody so be sure to join the conversation comment on our blog Share your thoughts with everyone. That's really the best way to do it. But if you prefer, you can also send us an email or you can leave a brief message on the Lost Line. As always, we're glad to connect and chat with you on Twitter. I'm at Mrs. Hawaii. And I'm at Hawaii. All right, folks, we'll see you in two weeks. Stay lost. Aloha. Aloha.
This podcast is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.